Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on Podbean.com and the Podbean app. And currently I'm doing a little side check with uh, YouTube Live. Uh, if you go to YouTube.com slash Relentless Daring. Color's a little dark because, like I said, for this is more. This is more so I can see what it's doing on that end, and less for anything actual YouTube content-wise. Still working on a lot of things right now, so eh, hopefully it works it out uh, in the end. Uh, looking up here in the chat box, I see uh, Sean and Lady Dyer there. Yeah, I share it here on the uh, on the OBS studio so people can actually see what I'm seeing up on the big screen over my head. Um, so to do pod being cloud recording will not be available on this live stream. If you need to set some recording, please. Well, I'm glad I'm uh, recording uh, on my computer because apparently I'm trying to. Send it over to YouTube as well, so it's a little, uh, little crazy. So, the world as we know has ended because Donald Trump had the audacity, nay, the temerity, to nominate another Supreme Court justice in an election year 40-some days before the election. Oh, my God. So, one of the big problems is that um, in 2016, in the run-up to the the Hillary-Trump election, was that all the Republicans kept shouting, Oh, we have to let the people decide. We have to let the people decide. That's part of the process. Well, okay, the people did decide when they reelected Barack Obama in 2012. However, the people also decided who they wanted to weigh the merits of who they were putting on, of who was confirming, who was wanted to weigh the merits of who was going on to the Supreme Court and other presidential nominations when they put Republicans in control of the Senate. So, and it was my opinion then, it is still my opinion, 
huh, that's really weird. Apparently, they're having issues hearing me on Podbean, even though I did tell them to use my stuff. Huh. This is starting to be a thing. I'm really not liking it. So I will continue to do this as a live show, and hopefully the audio works. There also has been issues with, you know, good old internet here at my house and things not working properly. So that's something that's a little out of my control. Sorry. So anyways, the... uh Looking back at 2016 and all the rhetoric that Republicans were using, just they made an absolute crap show out of, oh, well, well, let the people decide, let the people decide, which, honestly, in 1992, when there was an opening on the Supreme Court, a certain vice, then vice president, well, at the t- in '92 he was a senator. In 2016 he was a vice president. Now he's a presidential nominee. Joe Biden made the same argument that George Herbert Walker Bush should not send up a nominee because it's an election year. Let the people decide who they want putting in the next justice. Well, the people went with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton gave us. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But the moment that Republicans try using the same logic, they're awful, and we're just going to memory hold what was effectively known as the Biden rule. I know it's dumb. Not my choice in what to do with all this. I'm sorry. So, anywho's, fast forward to earlier today. When Donald Trump officially nominated Amy Comey Barrett, the I I said that wrong. I'm sorry. Amy Coney Barrett, like the chili dog, not the douchebag who used to be in charge of the FBI. Amy Coney Barrett officially nominated Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. And. You know, there's been a lot of people losing their minds, and it's been glorious to watch. Um, One of the big issues, and this is like the issue that has had all the all the liberals. OK, OK, I don't want to say liberals because there are people who are liberals who. They're fairly normal. They're, these are the Dave Rubens. These are the the Weinsteins out of uh, Oregon. Uh, the one who used to be a college professor and was essentially forced to resign because he had the audacity to say, you know, the school forcing white people to not attend certain meetings, that is wrong. <gasps> oh, my God. But anyways, you, you have... All the shenanigans going on with that, but you have all the people losing their mind because Amy Coney Barrett, she's a Catholic. She could lead to the overturning of Rover's Wade. 
And there was a great article on Washington Post that I read through it, closed the window, went back to it. And because I'm not paying the annual subscription to Washington Post, I cannot share the article with you because I can only read one paragraph. Stupid Washington Post. But with all of it, Yeah, there's people who are at least trying to be intellectually honest with everything going on. And this person for uh, Washington Post, they've known her for 15 years. They clerk together at the Supreme Court. They taught together at the University of Notre Dame. They have a very good relationship. Went on to talk about how amazing of a person she was. She wasn't some red-cloaked supporter of the overwhelming patriarchy, like they're they're trying to say that she belongs to the uh, to the Handmaid's Tale. She has seven children. Five of them she gave birth to. She's a member of the cult. No, not really. Um, she's very down to earth. She's, uh, when she had a student who was blind, who was having issues, uh, getting the support from the school so she could take her classes. Amy Coney Barrett stepped up and said, no, 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 that's no longer your problem. This is my problem. And she went and fought with the school to get her the technology and everything she needed to be able to succeed. That student became the first blind student or the first blind person to clerk in the Supreme Court. And she just finished her tenure, her her time clerking there this year. I mean, what kind of evil monster would go out of her way? I mean, listen to how awful of a human being she is. Now I'm waiting on this to uh, actually load. I may be. I am so grateful to you and the first lady, to the vice president and the second lady, and to so many others here for your kindness on this rather overwhelming occasion. I fully understand that this is a momentous decision for a president. And if the Senate does me the honor of confirming me, I pledge to discharge the responsibilities of this job to the very best of my ability. I love the United States, and I love the United States Constitution. I am truly... I am truly humbled by the prospect of serving on the Supreme Court. Should I be confirmed, I will be mindful of who came before me. The flag of the United States is still flying at half-staff in memory of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg to mark the end of a great American life. Justice Ginsburg began her career at a time when women were not welcome in the legal profession. But she not only broke glass ceilings, she smashed them. For that, she has won the admiration of women across the country and indeed all over the world. And 
just listening to that, I mean, she is gracious enough to actually you know, pay tribute to Ruth Bader Ginsburg in her speech accepting the nomination. Uh, it was kind of crappy when earlier tonight, or earlier this afternoon, I should say, when she was leaving the house in uh, Indiana because she had to fly to Washington, D.C. because she was accepting the nomination. And people were already freaking out that how dare she look at all these look at all the kids parading them out there oh they're they're all dressed up at noon wonder what's going on it's a nine-hour drive to washington dc how are they going to get their time it's like oh my god people have you never heard of an airplane they're going to fly to dc it's crazy i know but for people to be absolutely losing their crap over a nominee Everything I've seen from her, from her judicial writings, I think she's going to be a solid judge. Now, uh, the person that you know I was referring to their article that was in Washington Post earlier said, you know, "Liberals don't have anything to fear." Yes, she it confirms that. Yes, she is a contextualist, but is she? But in their opinion. They don't think that she's the person who's going to, you know, always put actual writing of the Constitution above stare decisis. And I guess uh, she's actually written that, you know, there's a balance between contextualism and stare decisis. And that, you know, there's times when, there's times when, um, the precedent set forth by previous courts, you know, it needs to stand, which, you know, if the precedent is based in the Constitution, yeah, let it stand. It's supposed to. But if you're you're taking something that is precedent based on feels, based on, well, we know what the Constitution says. But that's that can absolutely be overturned. I mean, Korematsu still stands as legal precedent today. For those of you who don't know, Korematsu was the Supreme Court decision that said, yes, FDR does have the authority to be able to round up all the Japanese people on the West Coast deprive them of life, liberty, and property without due process of law, and shove them into internment camps. And I have a strange feeling that with all the uh, the COVID stuff that's been going on, which I want to get into some more of that later, that there could be an opportunity if someone were to say, were to actually make a federal lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court that Department of Justice arguing or the not Department of Justice but that state's attorneys arguing that what we did to lock down the you know lock down economies and to cause people to go out of business 
cause people to be, you know, you know, shuttled away into some, uh, you know, quarantine area against their will. Well, we can do that. Korematsu says we can because it's an emergency. We have emergency powers. And then turn around, you know, and then they had the uh, federal judge. That evil Trump appointed judge in uh, Pennsylvania who, no, you you just can't willy-nilly and arbitrarily say Walmart can be open, churches cannot. Lowe's can be open, mom and pop, lumber store cannot. And I got into it on the Twitters with some some wonderful scholarly person, <gasps> he revived Lochner. And Lochner's one of those decisions that's so, we live by it every day, and it has such overwhelming impact on everything we do as a society, I had to look it up, because I didn't have a damn clue what the Lochner decision was. Rewind back to the turn of the 19th going into 20th century, there was a law passed that said bakers could only work 60 hours a week and no more than however many hours a day. And Lochner, he ran a bakery and he had employees like, no, 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 no. Working more than 60 hours, how we pay our bills. Can we please work longer than that? And he had the audacity to allow them to work more than 60 hours. Oh, my God, it's awful. And it was argued that under uh, Loxian, Lachesian, Lachian, I don't know. Under Locke, the philosophy of John Locke, we as people have an inherent right to the freedom of association and therefore, the freedom to contract services. So if I want to work for you more than what the law says, you know, if you're not forcing me, or if you're asking me to, and I, hey, I could use the money, sure, I'll do it. Well, you had the freedom of association. You had the freedom to, you know, to contract with people. So do it. And that's what the Lochner decision was. This bakery law was unconstitutional because it's the power, it's the state using police power to interfere in the individual's right to associate with their place of employment and to work for the place of employment for whatever conditions they want. Now we have labor laws. Now the Department of Labor says, no, you can't do it. Which don't come to where I work. It's not all, it's not unheard of for me to work sixty hours in a week or more. But you know, and people losing are losing their minds over these decisions because a judge had the audacity to say, "No, the state can't regulate this because you know through emergency, you know, executive fiat." Yeah. It's ama- I'm amazed that not more of these states with incredibly ridiculous lockdown rules 
aren't pulling stronger for Donald Trump, considering what, you know, you know, Governor Tom Wolf, Karen Whitmer, uh, Andrew Cuomo, what they're putting their states through. And hopefully, though, with with the notorious evil Amy Coney Barrett sitting on that bench, which face it, Donald Trump has a can he has a constitutional duty and authority to appoint a judge. Just like Barack Obama had the constitutional authority and duty to appoint Merrick Garland. The Senate has the constitutional duty not to seat, not to rubber stamp Amy Coney Barrett or Merrick Garland, but if they want to have a hold, want to hold a hearing, which is completely discretionary, there is nothing in the Constitution, it says, well, the Judicial Committee has to have a hearing and investigate and make sure that everything is up to snuff, and then we will send it on to the rest of the Senate to vote. And I don't even think there's anything in the Constitution that says if they actually have to have the supermajority. I think that's just Senate rules they came up with. <gasps> You have to have the 60 votes to overcome a filibuster. Yeah, well, Harry Reid kind of went with the nuclear option and got rid of the judicial filibuster for regular uh, federal bench seats. So, oh, we need to see, see some judges. You know what? Screw that 60 votes, simple majority. Then under Donald Trump, Donald Trump wants to uh, start seating some justices. Ah, well, you you don't have the votes to put Neil Gorsuch in because he should seat Merrick Garland because that's what Barack Obama wanted. Yeah, well, we're in charge, so yeah, we're going to go. We're just going to nuke that whole sixty vote to confirm thing. Son of a gun. Ah, Harry Reid said elections have consequences, and now it's biting us in the ass. And hopefully, when when all this is said and done, I hope we don't have to hear any more senators. The dogma lives loudly in your life, Judge Barrett. Like Diane Feinstein. Oh my God, it was... I don't even know if I want to call that anti-Christian or just, you know, anti-Catholic, but still, the way that she came out and just ripped in her for no freaking reason just because of her faith. I'm sorry, but it actually says in the constitution, no religious litmus test for anyone wanting to hold an office where they are nominated or elected because, you know, that whole freedom to freedom of religion thing. And yeah, but you know what do I know? I'm just I'm just some dumb schmuck having a delicious glass of bourbon, yelling at a microphone on a Saturday night because I obviously have nothing better to do. So you know why would I actually look at the Constitution, see what it says about you know trying to keep someone out of office because of their religious beliefs? It'd be like people saying Keith Ellison, he can't be in any sort of office. 
He's a Muslim. Um, no, that's stupid. Yeah, you know, which yeah, there's the people who say Ilan Omar and Rashid Talib. They shouldn't be in office because they're Muslims. Well, regardless of what your stupid thinking is, the Constitution says it doesn't matter. We've had atheists, we've had anti-theists, we've had some, had all manner of believers serve in the Congress, the Senate, appointed in the executive. So, I mean, I remember people being worried about JFK. <gasps> JFK, our our domestic and foreign policy is going to be controlled by the Pope because he's a Catholic. Really? Come on. I I don't think that uh, you know you know our the current commie Pope is going to be tugging on Amy Coney Barrett, going, hey. This is how you need to rule because I'm the Pope and you're Catholic and you have to do what I say because I'm the Vicar of Christ. Do it. It's incredibly, incredibly weak thinking and making for horribly weak arguments that all all it does is it just paints that side as being horribly bitter and just, dude, got it. Now, there's a chance that this could go through and Donald Trump not get reelected. And he, he leaves leaves office with putting three, okay, I'm not going to say solid judges, and two judges, because one is, because, you know, I believe ACB is going to be incredibly, incredibly conservative and really and having quirked under Scalia. I think she's going to do an amazing job of being an intellectual heavyweight, really being able to back up uh, her decisions. Neil Gorsuch, he, he's he got that hard libertarian streak to him where it's going to be like, oh, damn it, I don't like how he ruled, but it, it, it's in line with the Constitution, so I, I guess... Which, you know, sometimes what you think versus what the Constitution thinks are two different, or what the Constitution says are two different things. And then there's Kavanaugh. I don't know if he's going to be the equivalent of a Newman. But he's he's really already shown that he's kind of soft and squishy on some things. And I, I... just don't think that I, I think he's the next John Roberts, which is really awful. And I just hope, you know, with another conservative judge, he starts to show some backbone, starts to show that fire that he kind of he kind of put on display when he was getting raked over the coals over imaginary made-up allegations of sexual assault. And he's, you know, you know I want a judge to, or a justice sitting on that court who's not going to 
you know, just run on full emotion all the time. Because even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, pointed out that getting, letting your emotions control you, you know, you don't think clearly. And so, I mean, that's a great, that's a great attitude to have. And, you know, coming from, you know, this me saying this about RBG. So, I mean, who knows how it's going to go. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. This is Tyler from Relentless Daring, and I am launching the brand new RelentlessDaring.com merch shop. Instead of having to go to a third-party vendor, now you can do everything right there at RelentlessDaring.com. If you want to buy merch, go to RelentlessDaring.com slash shop, and there you can get hats, you can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get coffee cups, you can get stickers. Go there today to show your love for the Relentless Daring podcast, and as always, stay relentless. All right, starting to get back into it. Um, so uh, an interesting article I found tonight was that um, apparently there are former members from one of Big Pharma's larger companies saying that these PCR tests, um, yeah, they're not all they're cracked up to be, which... A lot of countries, whenever they process these tests, they go to like uh, a 30, they run it 30 times. And if they find the virus in it, then, hey, you've got COVID. Well, we go 40 here in the United States and it basically goes, oh, you've had you've had the Rona and you're probably just shedding off viral remnants at this point and not actually at risk to anybody. You probably already spread it around if you're going to, but yeah, whatever. So anyways, I found this article from global research, which, Oh, pardon me. Global research is it's a Canadian website and uh, headline, Chief Science Officer for Pfizer says, second wave faked on false positive COVID tests. Pandemic is over. In a stunning development, a former chief science officer for the pharmaceutical giant Pfizer says there is no science to suggest a second wave should happen. A big pharma insider asserts that false positive results from inherently unreliable COVID tests are being used to manufacture a second wave based on new cases. Uh, Dr. Mike Eden, a former vice president and chief science officer for Pfizer for 16 years, not just some quack, he was an actual vice president of the company, says that half or even, quote, almost all, in quote, of tests for COVID are false positives. Dr. Eden also argues that the threshold for herd immunity may be much lower than previously thought and may have been reached in many countries already. If you flash back to last week when Dr. Fauci was speaking before this, oh my God, I, I totally botched his name. No, you look like an idiot. When the Emperor God King Fauci 
was speaking before the Senate, uh, Senator Rand Paul had the audacity to suggest that maybe herd immunity begins to occur around 22% of the population having had the disease and recovered from it. And Emperor God King got very, very angry to the point where he was literally shaking. He didn't even call Senator Rand Paul, Senator Paul, he called him Senator Rand. Senator Rand gets these things wrong all the time, forgetting that prior to being a senator, he was a doctor. He was an eye surgeon. But, you know, heaven forbid, you know, a doctor of something that's not immunology be able to read and understand the information available. Like when Scott Atlas was was brought into the uh, White House COVID task force, <gasps> he's a doctor of radiology. He's not an immunologist. He's not a virologist. He's a radiologist. He can read your x-rays. Well, and as he said on uh, the Steve Dace program on many occasions, biology and virology does not change from when you go to med school and then when you have the numbers available that you can look at, you can figure it out fairly easy if you know what you're looking at. Pardon me. But in an interview last week, Dr. Yeadon was asked, we are basing a government policy, an economic policy, a civil liberties policy in terms of limiting people to six people in a meeting, all based on what may well be completely fake data on coronavirus? He answered, yeah. Dr. Yeadon said in an interview that given the shape of all important indicators in a worldwide pandemic, such as hospitalizations, ICU utilization, and deaths, quote, the pandemic is fundamentally over, which you have places that are still under incredibly strict lockdowns where maybe 1% to 6% of ICU beds are being used for COVID patients, where 1% or less of ER visits are for CLI, COVID-like illness. So why are we still getting worked up? Why are we still getting our panties in a bunch over a virus that if you're under the age of 55, the likelihood of you dying from it is fairly non-existent. Is that to say that you couldn't have a bad reaction to the virus and you know, and it causes pneumonia and you die from it? I'm not saying that at all. It's just it's very unlikely. Which you know, there's people who well over a hundred who have survived having coronavirus. The average age of death of people with coronavirus is about 77 years old in the United States. The average life expectancy in the United States 
is approximately 78 years old. So these are people who are, I hate to sound crass and uncaring, but these are people who are probably going to die within the next 12 to 18 months anyways. In fact, the, the, the Imperial College models that were so overinflated and it turned out, uh, yeah, we may have got put a decimal point in the wrong place. Instead of parts of pennies, we we're taking whole pennies. Office space. Look it up. Great movie. Um, even in their incredibly flawed projections, they did call it that most of the people who were going to die were probably going to die anyways. I it's I know it's it's a hard thing to accept that, oh my god. But then you know, they have all these tests with false positives. You know, my kid was tested last week, week before last for COVID and missed four days of school waiting waiting on a test to come back. Because, you know, he went to urgent care and then they didn't get sent off to the next morning. They had like a 48-hour turnaround. Oh, my God. But, yeah, he came back negative. Is that to say that he didn't have it and maybe just ha didn't have it long enough to test positive? I don't know. It could have been a false negative. Who knows? I'm I'm convinced that I had it, you know, last December when I was so sick that I couldn't lay down to sleep at night. Thank God we have beds that you can, you know, you know, prop them up and I, cause then I could sit upright or, you know, you know, lay down fairly in an upright position. That way it didn't feel like everything was just settling in the settling on my back and I was dying. But this, this is an incredibly long article. It's like, if I were to print it out, it was like 14 pages. But um, uh, Yeen said in the interview, were it not for the test data that you get from the TV all the time, you would rightly conclude that the pandemic was over, as nothing much has happened. Of course, people go to the hospital moving into the autumn flu season, but there's no science to suggest a second wave should happen. Now, that's not to say that there's not multiple waves. Um, is it Hong Kong had like, they're already had like their third spike. And one of the biggest reasons for that is this is a virus that does well in climate controlled environments. And in Hong Kong, in the Philippines, South Korea, they're trying to keep people indoors as much as possible. So number one, they're not getting exposed to things. The health and the healthy people who, who are uh, most likely to get it and recover, they don't get it. And then okay, we're going to loosen up restrictions. They go out, they bump into somebody who has it and probably doesn't know because yeah, they got fairly healthy immune system, but they're still shedding the virus. And then they get it, and then they get sick, and they pass it around. And these are places that also have ridiculous mask mandates. And even a place where they don't have ridiculous lockdowns, but they do have mask mandates. Huh, this is still getting spread around, even though we're wearing masks. 
I don't get it. That's because masks don't work for viruses. Especially, you know, if you don't wear a mask during flu season because masks don't work and the coronavirus is smaller than a flu virus. Why would wearing a mask work? Which, by the way, if you go to RelentlessDaring.com and you go to the merch shop, you can get your 99% ineffective mask. Yes, that's right. I believe in truth in advertising. I I believe the masks are 99% ineffective. Get your 99% ineffective mask today, and everyone will be able to see when you walk up to them that, hey, this mask, 99% does not work. Or if you're wanting to uh, signal your virtue for all to see, you can get your virtue signal mask as well, which has been endorsed by Aaron McIntyre of the Steve Dace program. Thank you, McIntyre, for actually, you know, going out of your way to buy and help support this little show. Appreciate it so much. So, one of the uh, final stories I'm going to get to last night, this, or last night, ah! One of the final stories I'm going to get to tonight. This is one that, oh, it burned me up to no end. I like horses. I used to own a horse. I'm not a big horse rider, but I like horses. I think they're great animals. Well, in Chicago, in an effort to um, get more people to fill out the census, Mayor Lori Lightfoot had this little stunt of having the census cowboy. Well, the census cowboy is not the greatest person in the world, especially when it comes to horses. Um, This is an article from The Blaze, so we know where we're coming from here. Authorities arrested 33-year-old activist Adam Hollingsworth, also known as the quote, dreadhead cowboy, end quote, or the census cowboy, after a Monday protest in which he rode a horse on a Chicago highway until the bleeding horse collapsed. The horse, which is in critical condition due to its injuries, may now have to be euthanized. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the one time in history where both real cowboys and PETA should be working together to lynch the same animal abuser. The horse, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot tapped Hollingsworth, excuse me, to work with her earlier this year to boost census participation in the city. According to a report from WTTW-TV, Hollingsworth rode the horse for more than seven miles on the Dan Ryan Expressway during Monday's impromptu protest. The horse, which was reportedly not outfitted with the proper shoes for concrete, collapsed after running for about an hour. Cook County prosecutors said the horse's treatment was, quote, the equivalent of forcing an 80-year-old woman to run a marathon. End quote. Uh, Cook County Assistant State Attorney Kevin DeBoney said the horse was nearly run to death and suffered extensive damage to its health. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm fairly fairly conservative when it comes to 
treat how we treat people. I do not believe people should be subject to abuse. However, people do have the ability to fight back. They have the ability to leave. If they're in a situation where they are being abused, they're being bullied, what have you, they can fight back. However, animals, on the other hand, it says in the book of Genesis that God gave man dominion over all the creatures of the land and the sea and the air. We are, yes, animals are there for us. They are to provide us food. They are to provide us uh, skins for clothing and companionship. They are, you know, literally work tools if you're using sheepdogs or horses to drive cattle. They are athletes if they're in rodeos or in dog shows, especially the uh, the shows, the dog shows where they're showing off their um, their athletic abilities, the skill shows. But when some asshole beats a dog to within an inch of its life, beats a dog to death. When someone who was put in a position of high visibility by the mayor of their city, and they literally ride a horse to the point where it may need to be euthanized because of how much damage he's done to that animal. I'm sorry, there is a special, special place on the south side of hell overlooking the lake of fire for you. I have no sympathy when Michael Vick went to prison for fighting dogs. If something had happened to him, I really wouldn't have felt too bad. If this Hollingsworth clown gets actually goes to jail because you know, you know, Mayor Lightfoot and all the crazy protest supporters are they'll probably they'll probably throw his bail in about five minutes. These these people if something happens to him, I will have I won't shed a tear because of what he did to a defenseless animal. I hold animals with the same regard that I hold children. Again, an adult has the ability to fight back, to vacate the area. What does a child have? What does a dog have? Especially a small dog, not even a fighting dog. What does a horse have when it's got a rider on it? Yeah, the horse can kick it off. The horse can... Or the horse can buck off the rider, can kick somebody. But once a horse gets to running, it's, well, I'm doing what I do. And horses have literally been run to death in the course of 
America or of humanity's relationship with the equine species. We know what happens because that's what a horse is partially designed to do is to run. And they will just go until they have a reason to stop. And if you have some asshat sitting on its back and just keeps digging those spurs in, keeps, keeps hitting it with that crop, it's just going to keep going. And you put someone doing, doing one of these stupid publicity stunts, showing, you know, oh, well, it's the census cowboy. You put someone up there who doesn't know the first thing about horses other than five minutes before the photo op. All right, well, to make it go forward, you do this. You move the reins like this to get it to steer, to steer it left and right. Pull back on the reins to make it stop. You put someone like that on a horse. Oh, wow. I have 1,200 pounds of protest vehicle. Run it till it dies. This is a, a, a horrible situation. And frankly, because of Mayor Lightfoot's decision to put someone with no experience with horses in that position where they could get a horse and ride it till it died. I believe she bears some of the culpability. And I'm sure that horse was property of the city. It probably came from their uh, mounted police detachments. You know, is the mayor going to take money out of her income to pay for it? Or is it just going to come out of the, uh, come out of city taxpayers, which that's what I'm leaning towards because, you know, why, why would we spend money out of my pocket when the taxpayers are already giving us this money? We'll just, we'll just get another horse and pay to have it trained. It's despicable. Absolutely disgusting. All right. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Um, Sorry about that last little bit. I kind of get, there's a special place in my heart for, for the wee critters. There's a reason why I have a zoo here at my house. So, uh, again, thank you all so much for listening. And for those of you who are now listening on Amazon Music and on Pandora. Yes, it finally came through. We're on Pandora now. Woo! Um, <laughs> I get excited over the little things. Um, thank you so much for uh, for listening, for subscribing. If you are listening on Stitcher, go online on your actual computer and leave and leave a rating and review on Stitcher. Uh, if you are listening on Apple iTunes, I ask the same four things every week. Why do you make me repeat myself? Number one, subscribe. That way, every week when the new episode posts, it comes straight to your phone or device. Number two, leave a five-star rating. Let, that way, it, help, it helps the algorithms find more people like you to like me to listen to the show, and it helps the base grow. Number three, leave a nice review. Say something nice. That way when people get, they see that, oh, well, this is, oh, this is highly rated. What are people saying? Oh, obviously people like it. They're saying lots of nice things about him. Except for that one guy. He's kind of a turd. 
Um, so anyways, you do that. Number one, two, three. And number four, finally, the last thing, share it. Send it out to your friends. So those people who are like-minded go, hey, you know what? We have this goofball that we listen to on the radio or on the podcast. Check out his show. We think you'll like it. Or maybe it's that person you don't like. Send that. Send my show to them. And then they go, hey, check this dude out. Then they listen and they get angry. Oh, so angry. I like to be part of stuff like that. So please, by all means, send me to the people you don't like. Send me to the people who are liberals. People send the people who are going to listen to this and go, this man is crazy. It should be taken off the interwebs. Which, you know, I probably should be taken off the interwebs, but that's neither here nor there. And also, be sure to go to RelentlessDaring.com. You go to RelentlessDaring.com. At the top of the page, there is a donate button. You can go through PayPal, and you can donate money to the show on an, a one-time basis, on a monthly basis. You know, because, and also, be sure to check out the merch shop. We have t-shirts, hoodies, hats. We now have face masks. I told you again earlier in the show about the 99% ineffective mask and the uh, virtue signal mask. Check those out. And they're, they're like 12 bucks. Yeah, it's a, it's a little steeper than you pay at the store for them. But hey, you know what? They're quality printed material. And it says right on the, you know, right on there. You know, it's virtue signal. It's at 99% ineffective. It's good. So check those out. Um, again, you know, also go to the podcast page there, and you can. I know you're probably listening to this on your iPhone. You're listening to this on your Android, on whatever whatever app that you use to stream your shows. But yeah, you can check out back episodes. Be sure to check out the uh, Cuties Revisited episode where I had my uh, interview with uh, Josh Jennings from The Blaze. Um, it was a great conversation about the movie Cuties. Again, I cannot say again how thankful i am that uh, josh was willing to come on my little show and and talk to me about the article he wrote over the move about the movie it was a great conversation i ask that you go back and listen to it i know his audio is a little rough um there was some uh there were some issues with the recording stuff going on and also because we have such amazing internet um, it was really kind of staticky and breaking up on Skype. So I, I did the best I could to get the audio boosted so you could hear it better. So I'm sorry if you haven't, if you tried listening to it, and it's just really hard to listen to. I apologize. Hopefully next time I have a chance to do an interview with somebody, uh, on my show, it goes a little bit better. Um, also check out the in the course of human events podcast. I was on there talking with uh, John and Tyler. Yes, I know two Tylers on one show. It was confusing. But hey, we had a blast. Uh, check it out, episode seven. Uh, find it on YouTube. Check it out there. See my goofy face. If you always wondered what I look like, does he really look like the? Does he really look like the bearded guy on the? Uh, you know, on the, on the podcast. Uh, thumbnail whenever i go to listen to the show i don't know but anyways go there check it out again thank you all so much for listening uh those of you who are tuning in every week if you're 
li- trying to listen on Podbean Live tonight. I don't know what's going on with the audio. I'm blaming the interwebs. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, blaming our internet connection out here in the boondocks. So if you didn't go listen live, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Again, thank you all for listening. And as always, stay relentless. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.